welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Our text together today is from Acts chapter 25. Now three days after Festus had arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. And the chief priests and the principal men of the Jews laid out their case against Paul, and they urged him, asking as a favor against Paul that he summon him to Jerusalem, because they were planning to ambush him and kill him on the way. Festus replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea, and that he himself intended to go there shortly. So, he said, let the men of authority among you go down with me, and if there is anything wrong with the man, let them bring charges against him. After he stayed among them not more than eight or ten days, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. When he had arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him that they could not prove. Paul argued in his defense, Neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I committed any offense. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Do you wish to go up to Jerusalem, and there be tried on these charges before me? But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you yourself know very well. If then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with his counsel, answered, To Caesar you have appealed, to Caesar you shall go. Now when some days had passed, Agrippa the king and Bernice arrived at Caesarea and greeted Festus. And as they stayed there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a man left prisoner by Felix. And when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews laid out their case against him, asking for a sentence of condemnation against him. I answered them that it was not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before the accused met the accusers face to face and had opportunity to make his defense concerning the charge laid against him. So when they came together here, I made no delay, but on the next day took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought. When the accusers stood up, they brought no charge in his case of such evils as I supposed. Rather, they had certain points of dispute with him about their own religion, and about a certain Jesus who was dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Being at a loss how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wanted to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding them. But when Paul had appealed to be kept in custody from the decision of the emperor, I ordered him to be held until I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, you will hear him. So on the next day Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes and the prominent men of the city. Then at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in, and Festus said, King Agrippa, and all who are present with us, you see this man about whom the whole Jewish people petitioned me, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. But I found that he had done nothing deserving death, and as he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to go ahead and send him. But I have nothing definite to write to my Lord about him. Therefore I have brought him before you all, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after we have examined him, 
I may have something to write, for it seems to me unreasonable in sending a prisoner not to indicate the charges against him. This is the word of the Lord. So as a reminder of our context here, Paul remains in custody. The Jews had had sought to, well, they had rioted against him for his teachings about the resurrection of Jesus, gotten him into some trouble. The Romans took him, bound him, and then they ended up bringing him before Felix, the governor in Caesarea, especially after the Jews had plotted to kill him. But Felix kept Paul in prison for two years, regularly would bring Paul out, listen to him, was really hoping Paul would bribe him so he could get free. But when Felix was no longer governor, when he was leaving that post, he wanted to still have the favor of the Jews, so he left Paul in prison. So we start out chapter 25 with Festus taking over as governor of that region, and this is going to be roughly 59 or 60 A.D. And you, you have the note, and this is one you can point out to your kids, just a, a nice biblical refresher. What else happened in the same time frame? The three days time frame. It has nothing to do with this text, but any time we can point our children to Jesus is a good thing. So the resurrection happening on the third day. Festus really doesn't waste time, right? Three days after coming into the province, he goes to Jerusalem, which is, for all intents and purposes of the Jewish people, really still the center of their, their world, even though Rome is in charge and, and Rome is so far away, the Jews would rather not think about them if they didn't have to. So he goes straight there. And we're also going to see then, throughout the text, a couple of times how he still doesn't waste time. He doesn't waste time putting Paul in the tribunal once he returns to Caesarea. Uh, and he mentions that even to King Agrippa later in the text as well. So he seems like a straight-to-business kind of man in the way that he was ruling the people of that area, at least at the start of his reign. So as he goes to Jerusalem, the charges of the Jews against Paul are made again. And these show up throughout the text as well, uh, and this is one of those context kind of things to have as a discussion with your children. What exactly are the charges against Paul? We'll talk about it as we continue with the text, but let's see what your kids can recall here. What has Paul actually done wrong? As we learned in yesterday's chapter from chapter 24, Paul himself stated it before Felix that he is on trial concerning the resurrection of the dead. That would be an interesting thing to be on trial for in today's court system, wouldn't it? We think of courts, we think of crimes. And apparently so does Festus as he talks to Agrippa uh, down in verse... Oh, which one was that? Verse 18. They brought no charge in his case of such evils as I supposed. He's expecting that this Paul guy did something terrible. He's been in prison because of these Jews for two years. What's the point? Why, what did he do? Oh, they're having disagreements. Over the resurrection. So that resurrection is still the key. It's the crux to all of this, as Paul himself admits in his letter to the church in Corinth in chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15. 
verse 3, as, as the Jews request Paul to be brought to Jerusalem for trial, they're planning to ambush him, just as they were in the, in the chapter before, two years before, they were going to kill him. Doubtful it's the same guys, although it's possible they broke their oaths and are at it again. If they had kept their oath, they would not have still been alive at this point because they had bound themselves by an oath not to eat or drink. Festus invites any of the men of authority to return to Caesarea with him and put charges against Paul there. And so some do. And they go to Caesarea with Festus. Festus orders Paul to be brought before them. And they make their charges, as you see in verse 7, bringing many and serious charges against him that they could not prove. Here's another connection. Who else did the Jews bring many and various charges against that they weren't able to prove? Once again, a connection to Jesus for us there in the text. We're seeing some similarities in the life of a disciple follower of Christ to the life of Christ himself. Christ had many charges brought against him, but the witnesses could not come to agreement on those things. And here they're bringing many things before the, the Roman official, but they cannot prove any of it before him. So Paul makes his basic defense that he has wronged not the Jews, the temple, or Caesar. Interesting statement. I mean, the, the temple at this point really doesn't matter anymore. We haven't really seen the Christians treated as, as non-existent. But it, if you are still doing the animal sacrifices and such in the temple, you're saying that the sacrifice of Christ doesn't matter or that it wasn't good enough. So to continue with the temple sacrifices really is to, in a way, profane the name and the work of Jesus. So it's a... A good thing that the temple gets destroyed a few years after this because it was an idol among the people. Verse 9, Festus is playing politics here. He wants to do the Jews a favor. He knows he's going to be in charge of them and wants them to behave themselves and to get along with him over the years to come. And that's why King Herod built or refurbished, it's hard to tell, uh, the temple for them when he was in charge before the time of Jesus. Paul refuses Festus' offer to go to Jerusalem. Not likely aware of the plot to kill him this time. Uh, at least we're not indicated that way, but he rejects it nonetheless and appeals instead to Caesar. If he's a wrongdoer and he deserves to die, he doesn't seek to escape death. This is important for us as Christians, ourselves, that we would live in this same manner, that we would live our lives in such a way that our neighbors who hate the Christian faith have very little, if anything, to say about us negatively. They can't bring up charges against us that actually stick, and that if we do end up dying, we die not for you know, the foolish mistakes that we've made, which we all make and we're going to make, but the Lord forgives us and we're thankful for for that forgiveness, but that we might die on account of our faith. 
And Paul has not been afraid of that. We saw that as he he sent off the Ephesian elders a few chapters ago, uh, that he was never going to see them again, that kind of language that he used. He, he was willing to face death. And this is where you get the verse that he writes in Philippians to the church in Philippi. Um, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And that is, that is the Christian faith. If I live, I get to serve Jesus. If I die, I get to be with Jesus. You can't go wrong with those options. It may not always feel that way. It may not always seem that way. But to live is Christ and to die is gain. And Paul exhibits that with his life, as did many of the early Christian martyrs. And many of the martyrs today, I shouldn't just say early Christian, many martyrs in the world today still live this way. Uh, So it could be a good family prayer that the Lord would give us such strong faith that we would be willing to share his word, and if the situation ends up calling for it, that we would be willing to suffer for the name of Christ. So he appeals to Caesar. Festus goes along with that. Since he's appealed to Caesar, he's going to Caesar. The book of Acts, Luke here, does not actually record that happening. He gets He gets us as far as Rome and to the idea that Paul is going to spend some time in Rome, but that's as far as the book goes, arguably because the book is probably written uh, in the early 60s, 60, 61, 62, something like that. And there's still time left in Paul's life. There's still time for Paul in Rome. So we know Paul is imprisoned twice in Rome. Uh, The first time, probably the 60 to 62 range, Uh, of years. The second time is going to be, again, maybe 66 or 67 AD, his martyrdom happening somewhere in that same range of 66, 67, or 68 AD, when the Caesar at the time, Nero, will have him executed for his faith. So again, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, doesn't get us that far. It doesn't cover that much, as Luke writes it before those events have occurred. Verse 13 introduces us to Agrippa, the king. So this is Herod Agrippa, part of that Herod family, and his sister slash um, more than sister, incestuous relationship kind of thing, Bernice. Uh, As they come to Caesarea, Festus puts Paul's case before them. Uh, So we won't recount all of that from Festus again, Um, but he notes, you know, pull out verse 19 here, They had certain points of dispute about a certain Jesus who was dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. So there's the crux of it all. That's what's at the center of all of this, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Agrippa, you know, on his part, says, I would like to hear the man myself. So this is good. Uh, He's he's willing to at least give the, the gospel a hearing here, just something we can be thankful for. Verse 23, almost like a celebration, a great parade. Uh, Agrippa and Bernice come back. Uh, They're surrounded by the military tribunes, the prominent people of the city. Just, well, anything but humility. (laughs) Lots of pride uh, from the, the leadership there. And this time Festus is going to make his his case before Agrippa again, and to the whole audience that have gathered together, that the Jews have shouted that this man ought not live any longer, so they want Paul 
executed. Uh, and then Festus admits that he does not find any reason for doing such a thing. He's going to send him to Caesar, but he's not going to do so without something to write to Caesar. This seems to make sense. Uh, you don't just send a prisoner to Caesar with no message whatsoever. Uh, Caesar's not going to know what to do with that. You might even get offended at it, that you're just sending your prisoners to him. So writing a letter of some kind to send with, to accompany Paul as he goes to Caesar, that's a Festus goal. And so we see here that that is the account that we're going to hear together tomorrow in chapter 26.